There was a recent comment I saw that I loved. It was like, action is better than mentorship or something along the lines of taking action, learning from that, using the real-time knowledge to improve yourself. You make a mistake, it's more of a learning than a failure. Using, actually learning from that and actually importing that, don't make that same mistake twice. Don't make mistakes as we speak. You know how it is? And you have to use those as powerful learnings. Feedback, another one, like it's a gift. Welcome to Ad Creative, a new show from Pencil about the unexpected ideas that have changed the game for DDC founders and operators with a focus on actionable takeaways. I'm Chase Mosendi from the Pencil team. Thanks for joining us. My guest today is Ty DeGrange, founder and CEO of the growth marketing agency Round Barn Labs. Ty and I go way back, so this one might feel like you're a fly on the wall in one of our conversations. You're going to learn a lot about channel preference on this one. Ty dives into what channels are working well for his clients, how to run a successful affiliate program, and when it's right to actually run one, why he believes growth still seems to be misunderstood, and how looking into his past gives him fuel to continue his entrepreneurial journey. I've learned so much from Ty, and I'm excited for you to get the chance to do so as well. I hope you enjoy it. It's great to have our next guest on. This is Ty DeGrange. He's the founder and CEO of Round Barn Labs, which is a growth studio, fully remote growth studio. He's based out of Austin, but he's actually in LA with me, which he didn't tell me. So yeah, faux pas when you're at Ty. Yeah, yeah, we could have grabbed beers. But I would love to, before we jump in, is to hear about what Round Barn does and if there are any, any clients that you've had that we would know. Yeah, thanks, Chase. Tidy Grange, CEO of RBL, as we like to refer to ourselves. I've uh, been at RBL now for about eight years, been in the performance marketing space for, gosh, about 17 years now. The last five to seven years have been really focused on the new notion of growth and how that's taken over. And it's a real passion of mine and my team's. We are a remote organization. We really help companies with customer acquisition. We've had the pleasure to work with a number of unicorns, Nextdoor, Hired, Ironclad, Meta, or Facebook, many others, as well as some that are on their way to becoming unicorns. We've skewed more consumer market, marketplace subscription and e-com. We had the fortunate experience to be in-house a lot in my career at places like various startups running acquisition and growth and also was able to do a stint at Amazon. Our team is really talented or close tight-knit group. We've got about 10 or 15 practitioners now fully remote in various areas. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's always fun to tackle these challenging growth problems that clients come with. And I think we've done that in a way that is very thinking through the needs and pain points of in-house. We've done things like embedding talent into teams, which is not very common for an agency to do. Uh, yeah. We think of ourselves at times more like a hybrid that can customize things for folks. So if you need somebody embedded, if you need more of that agency model, we want to provide that. It's tough to scale that, but we really want it to be an honest broker for people. And so we'll over-index on things like that. We, last thing I'll say, just from a, what do we work on at a specific level? A lot of paid social, as you'd imagine, a lot of paid cert. We have a very sophisticated A-B testing and conversion rate optimization practice. So we do a lot of experimenting in all of our channels, uh, regardless of it, whether it's on your site or landing page, but in the channels themselves. And then the last piece, I did have a fair amount of experience in the affiliate industry. And so that, that partner marketing, affiliate influencer marketing thing that's exploded in the last uh, 10 years is, is gotten to be a nice diversification away from a lot of the paid expensive channels 
duopoly of Google and Facebook. And we've really enjoyed diving in and helping some enterprise clients and, and some strong clients do that. How does one get the idea to start a business like this? Was it predicated on being enhanced at these places and seeing things that the agency partners you had weren't doing? Or did you say, I want to go and help a bunch of different brands because I've been in house so many times. I want to have something different and, and fresh. What was that process of getting the idea to start RBL? Great question. It is a combination of factors. After I had the fortunate experience and time to be at eBay at a very good time in its history, around 2010, it was capturing really amazing talent in Silicon Valley, being part of that internet marketing team. People went on to do some really interesting things. I was really grateful to be a part of a cohort that I think was really talented in the performance marketing space. I think that opened up my purview of the, what would soon become Grove. Uh, you know, people like Alex Schultz, Chris Orton, Will Wong, like just the talent level there was amazing. And so people that have gone on to do some really cool things, a number of people have, that got me really interested in areas outside of the programmatic affiliate world that I came from, uh, programmatic before affiliate next. And then it was like, what about search? What about organic social? What about, or excuse me, organic search? What about the Facebook, which is brand new at the time. That's how old I am. We, it was just, it was a motivator for me and it, it opened up the world. So I, I wanted to uh, get into, I was able to go to a VC backed startup. There were series B backed, uh, part of the whole group on faith. And I was able to run acquisition for them through, you know, almost any channel necessary. So that once I started doing that, people started asking me, how do I acquire customers? How do I think about marketing? marketing channel analysis. How do I think about attribution? How do we think about affiliate? What are, what are the right levers to pull within search and social? And so when people started asking me those questions, the, the wheels started turning that, well, this doesn't always have to be the, 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 the typical a nine to five. People were even suggesting it to me out of, before I even did it, like, you should consider this. Oh, okay. Fast forward a few years after a number of startup reps, which were very high learnings as they usually are. The current company I was at was not really funding the satellite company out in San Francisco at the level we saw it coming. We saw them wanting to pull back and, and shutter uh, that group. So it, it, the other piece was out of just pure necessity. I had a little bit of time to prepare, which I was fortunate for as an employee, um, started to gather some clients uh, on the consulting side. So it was a little bit out of just selfish necessity and then less selfish serving the needs of clients. It's really fascinating when you talk to people who start their, their businesses, how much it, it comes from like a, a intersection of necessity and desire where it's, I've been wanting to do this thing, but I'm almost overthinking everything because I, I just, I, I know how hard it's going to be. Yeah. I don't do it. I, I yeah. and something kind of kicks you right in the ass and you're like, oh. I have to do it now. Yeah. Yeah. All the, like the cascading effects of something like that. I, I, I find that to be almost, almost the best way because yeah. sometimes when you're leading from the front, you don't actually realize what is in behind you or in front of you versus like I was back and now I can see the landscape a little bit yeah. better and pushed into it. What that actually does for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's funny to think about those factors for any person and to, to decisioning, is it a level of mentors around you or, or friends or family or folks that you admire, what drives you to do a certain thing? It, it's not always just, I always want to do that, or I, someone offered it to me, or it's amazing how the environment can dictate some of that too. Being in San Francisco, I don't think hurt. It was a very exciting time. It, it still is, but it was a very different time in, in 2014 when it, when it, when I launched it.
What are the top misconceptions about what you do? That's a really good question. The, the one that jumps in my brain, which is oddly specific, is that affiliate is just coupon sites. There's a misconception with affiliate, like yeah. it's garbage, it's fraud, it's coupon, it's lead gen. It's, there's so much, there might be more, mis, there's like almost as much misconception with affiliate as there is about growth, which is another topic we'll get into. Affiliate has been rebranded many times for many reasons. There is, there has been fraud, just like there has in the digital landscape. A lot of that has been cleaned up. Uh, people have been straight up prosecuted while I was at eBay. They actually went after people naturally that were affiliate bad actors. And that was a good thing for the industry. What has become is an ability to you, do partnerships light or partnerships at scale in a very powerful way. You can build an influencer network of a thousand influencers. You can connect app to app like Ticketmaster, Uber, BarkBox. Many of these great brands have found ways to use affiliate as a tracking mechanism between apps and use it as a way to test into really powerful partnerships that are very direct response driven. You also have an ability to do full funnel approach to marketing, like things like out of home, out of podcasts, coupon tracking, vanity URL tracking. Uh, there's some partners that we're willing to do holdout tests on if they're, uh, if you collaborate with them appropriately. Yes, you have coupon and deal. Yes, you have loyalty and cash back, but it's really evolved in a good way. That's one misconception, I would say, just coming from a world that I've worked in for a while now. So would you say then that just like you have a tech stack and a channel stack that almost within each channel, there is like a stack of how you distribute the value through the channel. So like you just riffed off like 10 to 15 different things you can do with affiliate. Do you feel like CRO and paid have the same ability to distribute or it's affiliate almost has such a wide landscape that it's almost more intricate than the other two? I think what's cool about it is like, as much as it has its limitations, I don't even want to say limitations, like it has its misconceptions, I should say probably more than it did. It can operate like it could actually have every channel within the affiliate channel, if you will. You can have a search affiliate. You can have, you can be on every possible touch point in the ecosystem, digital and offline and still have it live within the affiliate space. Because essentially by definition, affiliate is just paying for, if you really get down to the definition, you're really just saying, I'm going to pay for a purchase or a lead. And that's all I'm going to pay for. Now, yes, in most programs, you're going to have other costs and all these other things. So it gets a little murkier, but at its definition, you could have review sites, folks bidding on your search terms to push out competitors and, and basically have all the channels exist within that ecosystem. To your point, the other channel, the other kind of levers of paid and CRO, I think are, are almost, I, I think I just go back to what I shared earlier is that those things can exist within affiliate. We've even had conversations, the, the level of landing page testing you can do within it is really powerful. Partners are going to benefit from that immensely because they're basically saying, Hey, I'm going to I'm going to have skin in the game and promote this for you on your behalf without upfront payment. Now that's changing and there's a lot more upfront payment happening, but many will. And, and if you get their conversion rate to double, guess what? They just had a much better experience. And some of them will even help collaborate with you on that because they're, they have skin in the game. 
I think companies in the DTC space are getting wiser to affiliate. Everyone essentially paid Facebook ads, right? TikTok, everyone's starting to do now, but Facebook and Instagram ads, are, this is the foundation of every house. And then you build things on top of it. Do you have any examples of, of brands that you've seen go cut the opposite direction where it's like affiliate is the foundation of the house and then they layer on those things and like CRO essentially is beautiful furniture that makes it all come together? I love that. I think it's possible. I've more likely seen the invert, like I've more, I've more frequently seen what you've described, which is the, the core of, of Facebook ads and Instagram ads form a foundation for demand generation and search does a great job of that demand capture with some demand generation within the Google ecosystem as you're well familiar. I like to see that those are at least been tested or working before it makes a lot of sense to typically invest a ton in influencer affiliate. Why is that specifically? Yeah, I think it's because it's a, it's more like a battleship that takes a while to turn around. And if you're going to build it and get it going and get it moving in the ocean, you don't want to suddenly realize that you don't have the unit economics or the factors to be winning in that game to try to turn it around. It's not going to turn around quickly and it's hard to stop it, it relative to Google and Facebook. It takes longer. There's more human element. It's less automated. It's more relationship driven. And for those reasons, that makes it slower. The positives are that you can get some of the better ROI and lower CAC out there. It can be one of your more efficient. You're going to have some elasticity constraints. It's not going to be like a TV where you can get massive scale quickly, but boy, it can become 20% of the revenue of your business. If it's managed properly and aligns with your business model, you're an e-com, you've got multi-SKUs, you look at Amazon's eBay program. Those are the holy grail of affiliate programs in terms of their size and scope with some downsides to them, but, but a lot of positives. Uh, so if you're, so if it aligns with those things, it can be very powerful. That makes sense. For sure. For sure. I'm, um, you know, I, I'm curious what, um, like we, you know, we, you and I, you big reforge heads, if that's even a term, uh, Ooh, that's a so good one. Like, I've, I've used reforgers before, but I think re reforge heads might be better. Yeah, that's my, my, me bringing in the, the cheese heads to, into it. So yeah, reforge heads. Let's see if Brian likes that. What they talk a lot about like minimum scope of a channel. And so for, for anyone who doesn't know, minimum scope means like. How easy is it to start something? So it's just one of the barriers to entry and Facebook and Instagram, like I, I did a test last year. So I started a brand and I, I ran ads and sold sweatshirts and I sold you in literally five hours from starting the brand. And I did not make anything. I did one of those print shops. I made a landing page. Amazing. I made an Instagram and I just posted 15 things on the Instagram and bought some followers just to see how fast I could get to revenue. Amazing. Profitable. It was not like first purchase profitable because there'd been a lot of like investment. You're trying to just get customers, et cetera. The, the ads weren't great, but like low minimum scope, I got revenue in five hours, right? Yeah. Like that doesn't, yeah. can't do that with affiliate. And so I think that the way that you were talking about it was like liner versus speedboat. You can't carry that much on a speedboat all the time yeah. starting out. A liner can go really far with a lot, carrying a lot on yeah. it. But you can turn the speedboat off. You can turn it yeah. around. Sure, yeah. you're going. It's in the middle of the ocean. You're not turning that fucker around. It has to get to the next port before you do anything. And so it's almost like, do you look at it like affiliate? You're working in 
month-long increments or two-week-long blocks, whereas like Facebook, Instagram ads, you're working in hours. Google, Google, you're going to have to like let certain things ride as Facebook less, but you know that world so well. I would say that with the affiliate side, you're correct. I would also add a caveat and the devil's advocate view that in particular with Shopify and some of the builds they're doing and the networks are building Shopify integrations as you are at Pencil, I, I would say that could be changing and is changing. They, the technical barriers are, the technical implementations are getting better, faster. The, the plugins are coming. Dovetail is an example of an acquisition that was made by Shopify. Impact, other networks, CJ have, have I think, tried to make things more leaner and meaner to integrate with that blowing up great ecosystem that is Shopify. I think that's an opportunity to get to market faster and learn faster. It's probably not as fast as the example that you provided of the five hour minimum scope, which is amazing, but there is some element of that changing and becoming more agile, which is I think exciting and beneficial to the market. I think it could make open up affiliate to make it even more, I don't want to say self-serve because it's so relationship driven, but I think it's going to, it's going to get elements of that added and it already is happening. I think there's a huge wave coming to, to speed things up. There's, I think there's a wave coming to slow some of the way that we do things on some of these other paid channels down a little bit to be more rigorous about how we're experimenting, like fill me the volume doing it a little bit differently, focusing on brand a little bit more, getting focused on some of the offline or mm. um, not like the communities, for instance, that deliver value to customers, et cetera, to bring down the, to increase the long-term LTVs and also bring up kind of the virality coefficient for, for those customers. I think that. you see in B2B that you and I talk about all the time when we're texting, yeah. but that customers or DTC companies aren't doing yet. I've referenced this a couple of times. The guys at Obvi have this community of 50,000 on Facebook. Yeah. Um, just me thinking about that, the long-term LTV implications of having a, an active 50,000 person community and kind of that vi vi virality coefficient, how it brings the kind of blended cohort level CAC down month mm -hmm. over month is incredible. Yeah. yeah. Almost like we're flipping it on its head. Paid acquisition needs to have more relationships and yep. affiliate needs to have more agility like paid acquisition. It's actually an amazing macro observation and very astute and growth principles. I think it's a brilliant idea and I think it's right. And it, it mirrors the removal of silos that is so central to growth and good growth teams that are actually getting compounding gains. It's, it's central to our thesis of our RBL flywheel, like we could like to call it, that I think is inspired by the Jeff Bezos and, and good to great book, the flywheel that they created, the, the reforged yeah. loops. It's all in, influenced by those things that are really powerful and getting influence. There's no surprise that user generated content is becoming some of the best performing creatives in paid social. It, we talked about this four years ago and now it's, it's bearing fruit. There's no uh, surprise that companies that are making regular experiments and improved changes and conversion rate to their landing pages and websites are seeing the, the returns and gains they need from performance marketing. And it's shocking how much they're either not doing it, they're not doing it right, or they're not doing it. And you're spot on with some of those human elements. Like we, we actually talk a lot to 
straight up customers of our clients, like straight up almost every single scope uh, because no client's doing it enough. They have their own perspective on it. I remember talking to one of the best product people ever is a, a reforged guy. He was running a product at Facebook that never, I don't think it ever saw light of day, but it was a big initiative. They were talking to users every day. It tells you what the leading growth teams do. And that brings that human element to performance. Just as you talk about on the regular creative is becoming like the lever for social over target. Not to say you're not going to work to tweak and optimize that as best you can, but creative is much more the growth lever now that ATT and iOS 14 has hit us. It's a really interesting through a few of these chats that I've had for the podcast, the through line is talk to your customers. And so people always ask me, Chase, what's, what do you value? And I think it's like, it's synthesizing qualitative and quantitative research and information. Yeah. And I always try to remind people like all these qualitative data points that we're looking at are people and they're all having a human experience. And we need to understand that at a really core level and think, yeah. okay, looking at this, and this is a hundred thousand people in mass. But if you drill down, you're going to see pockets of little thousand to 2000 person mm -hmm. people that they're all experiencing this in a different way. And we need to react to that. Now you obviously want to build an 80% experience that hits the 80 and like 20% of people are going to be left out because you can't build unique things unless you have the scale and team and infrastructure to do it. But if we can build like a macro one that hits 80% and then build two or three that answer for the 20%, yeah, there's a money on the other side of that and revenue and, and goodness kind of for the brands. I think yep. you have a, a really wide array of customers that you speak to. What's generally the big idea or the, or the ideas that change the game for them that allow them to unlock the, that, that strategy. So you talk about the flywheel, how many of them actually get it at a core level about what you're trying to do? Oh man, that's a really good question. I want to say half, maybe more. I don't want to be overly, overly pessimistic on that view. It's an interesting question. Yeah. I think once the funny thing about that is I think until a lot of the practitioners get hit in the face essentially and see the pain point of not acting on the benefits of qualitative and quantitative or acting on the benefits of leveraging you know, influencer UCG and paid and then converting in kind of in making insight improvements to develop that little flywheel that we've touted or we like to implement. I don't want to sound overly pessimistic, but I think until people really get hit with, wow, my competitor is doing this and beating me, or we, we see the data that shows that these, this test we ran actually shows that this improved performance by a massive and we weren't running it or considering it before. I think a lot of people need a real stark reminder sometimes of that because it's hard to wrap your head around unless you've been through it a little bit. Even the reforged stuff sometimes like takes a lot of repetitions to really like get to a level where you're talking the same language with someone on your own company and team, not to mention a client, if you will. So I don't know if you find that too, but that's in my observation. Well, I think it comes down to what's theoretical and then what had they viscerally been punched yeah. in the, it's the whole mic yeah. type. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Exactly. Uh, and it's like every business we all sit here and I joke around with you that you hear me pontificate about stuff and I'm like, oh, we should do this. We should do that. Like, dude, 
we're running a business here. We have to make money and, and survive and deliver value to our customers. Like we can't do all of these things. We need to figure out which one is going to deliver the most value uh, to our customers and also us be able to actually action on in a relatively systematic way. And I think that's really, that's the kind of the challenge because when do you make theory into reality? Like, how do you take that and, and move it, move to that without overburdening yourself with too many experiments? I think this is a really difficult thing. I see a lot of teams where they, they want to do stuff, but they're almost afraid. It's, it literally comes back to what you said, why you started RBL. You almost need to get kicked in the ass by the world to yeah. use times because you will have analysis paralysis. Well, I want to do this because it's going to mess with this and I have all this set up and have yeah. all these reading effects. So yeah, it's, it's real. Yeah, it, it definitely. It's the mother of invention. Yeah, that's a great point. So I have a question for you right now. What channels do you and the team believe in most currently, given the kind of landscape, how it's changed in the last year? Yeah. I think, you know what I'm going to say. It's what everyone's been saying. Let's see. Actually, a couple ones that it is, this is a very, is a very good question. It's, it may sound easier than one would think. It's not like, I think it's easy that it's not, I'm, I'm going to go. Uh, so. Look, I, I think the hot, correct answer that everyone's like on the tip of everyone's tongue is TikTok. It's, we can talk about all the reasons why you're basically democratizing virality. You're, the algorithm is just completely in, insane from a speed and volume perspective. You're, we're getting some so shockingly better performance than we thought we ha we would, and it's working. Yeah. For clients where we wouldn't necessarily think it's working would work for yeah. it's needing out facebook in some example on the flip side you described facebook and instagram as the foundation and i think it in many ways still is of demand generation if you're doing it right if that's a big if and it's also can you stomach that cost and do you have the budget to put forth to make it work and the yeah. creative resources to make it work yeah People say, oh yeah, we need creative. We know creative is what's important, but what does that freaking mean? They don't necessarily devote. Are you spending $20,000 a month on really good creative? No, you're, what are you going to get for $2,000? Yeah, of course that we have to be lean and mean and creative and, and original and yeah. thoughtful and scrappy. But if you're not going to battle with the, the ammo, you're going to get your ass kicked. And you're going up against a lot on that channel. Whereas if you come at TikTok with a very specific video strategy and some, and some good UGC, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to see some good learnings. I do want to throw out more is I do think viable partner marketing. I kicked it off with that is, is something that's really exciting and it's working. Of course we believe in it, but also needs to be managed really well. You can't just set it and forget it. You got to really stay on top of it. You got to monitor fraud. You got to get content sites and reviews and not just a coupon and deal. Shockingly, a lot of people think it's a set and forget it channel and it's not. Last thing I think is like the OTT world, I think is going to change things and explode. I've, I've seen reports of, there you go, bingo. We agree. I've seen reports of CPAs lower than Facebook at amazing volume and elasticity. There's not that many people bidding on it like they are linear. It's a really exciting one that I think is coming and coming quickly. And I think people need to catch it quickly. I would say the really fascinating thing about that is, and so I had a really interesting chat with someone and they were talking about how like Gen X 
people are not really served by a lot of these D2C brands. It's all millennials and Gen Z and TikTok is a millennial Gen Z channel. OTT is a everyone channel. And so you kind of start segmenting and like the CPMs maybe for a Gen X are going to be cheaper than they are for Gen Z because it's more saturated because most of those people are on OTT platforms like naturally. And I, I think that's going to be not more than TikTok because TikTok is incredible. Like you said, I, I love that. I've never heard anyone say it's democratizing virality. Quote, quote it, trademark it. That's fucking sweet. Is all of these channels matter really significantly. I think the big thing that I have come to that I say regularly, and if you don't agree, then, you know, you're wrong, but it's <laughs> creative is the new target and actually creative is the moat. We, we always talk about moats. What I saw you post on Twitter. I was going to say, no, I disagree, but uh, you should have just done it. I need some more, I need some more engagement tweets. It, it legitimately is though. If you really think about it, like what lever do you have to pull? Okay. Like the TikTok algorithm is great, but actually, if you think about it, people aren't engaging if it's not engaging. Well, so it's like the Super Bowl on everything's the Super Bowl kind of, you're fighting for the ten, everyone and their mom's watching. That, that's all That's all this stuff is, right? It, you're trying to get in front of someone. If you happen to get in front of someone, that's half the battle. But then it's, okay, did it land? And that's the competition that we do every February on the Super Bowl. Is it not up to the creative to determine the winner? Is it not the 30-second the commercial that gets the most applause and response to some extent? Coinbase fucking crashed because yep. they had the most brilliant marketing ever and it's funny people are like oh it was so cheap and I'm like brilliant ad but maybe not brilliant trafficking pipeline set up to handle that kind of volume i mean champagne problems but exactly. yeah pretty pretty brilliant on that on that end i'm curious what you think is overhyped i think there's this is some i think about a lot it's like you get all of these things you're like oh this product is overhyped this is overhyped what do you think is overhyped right now that's a great question It's going to take me a minute. Oh, the anticipation that everyone I know. Hold up. We need a drum roll. What's overhyped? I think some elements of the influencer thing is overhyped in that it's, it's like media and stock buying is similar. Not to say I'm a day trader or anything, but you can get a great implementation at a bad price and you're in trouble. And so I think what's happened is some of the influencers have gathered up a lot of clout to use a throwback Kleiner Perkins startup from the past. Oh, that cl cloud is back. Anyway, we worked at the same office years ago. He's a good, good operator. He's on Twitter and talks about his learning such. But the point I was get, trying to get to was I think as much as influencers hot and exciting and what people are clamoring for, you can get your butt kicked if you're not really thinking about is that backing into the appropriate testing? If you're dropping too much up front without some testing and learning and um, you're not getting it at the appropriate price point, micro influencers are all the rage and that's good. It's the balance of the lift of doing all the work to get all the small guys and getting the result out and avoiding the massive expensive ones. So you're chasing that middle tier maybe with a sprinkling of larger. I've seen Hey, some influencers I've seen get three to one ROAS on really good e-com in the past you know, few years. 
sometimes more. Sometimes you're trying to get to net neutral on the first investment and then expand to optimize from there, but you got to price it right on any media. And I, I, maybe that's a little elementary, but it's a channel that's hot and it, sometimes it gets overpriced when it's hot, like any mature, a pseudo mature channel and the the site of the, the ecosystem of channels, which we, we always look at hundred percent. It's the life cycle of a channel, right? It's cheap. Everyone, the early adopters make a shitload of money. Everyone rushes to get over there. It gets more expensive, it becomes part of your life. It gets entrenched and then you're like, oh God, it's expensive. What do I do? I, I can't live without it. Is on the flip side, is Google and Facebook's algorithm a more trusted, transparent pricing to, to influencer marketing? Debatable. I don't know. Maybe it isn't. Question for the audience. Yeah, for sure. How do you feel about whitelisting? It's, it's become more prevalent over the last couple Love, of years. It's working, I think. It's part of our, our, our BL flywheel uh, theory that we came up with, which we're not alone. It wasn't like a original thought necessarily, like a lot of things, but it was something we came up with before it was really uh, normal and popular to do. Now it's, if you're not, if that's not a slice of your paid social strategy, then you're doing it wrong. I think yeah. it's a really good way to get social proof of validation to test. Who wouldn't want to hear from a third party say how great your product is rather than you shouting it from a rooftop saying how great my product is. It's just, I call it human nature. For sure. For sure. I think uh, stuff, what, are you seeing that too? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think anything you can do, even if you're leveraging your reviews and making them into just static ads or doing you know, even video ads with a bunch of different scenes that it's just different reviews and different configurations. We've seen yeah. that kind of blow the top off just based on yeah, so social proof, right? DR at the end of the day is meant to get people to take action and people now take action because of other people's like thoughts. So what do, what do all of us do? Even there's the Amazon review farms that everyone has, et cetera. You go and check Amazon to see like, does this have over a thousand reviews so I can trust it? And I always go to the one-star reviews to see, okay, on the bad side, how bad can this be? Because I see there's never any two or three star reviews, either four and five, or there's one. Yeah. So like how bad is the bad? And people are, you know, consistently doing that. It's really important to understand the assets that you have in your hand. And so if you're a company and you have either Amazon or you have your DTC store, like leverage those reviews, build a, build a post to record their experience, getting your product and, or using the product and give them something back. Think about how much more expensive it is to get someone like that is completely cold versus warm yeah. to, do, uh, to do content yeah. for you. It, it, it sounds remedial because oh, everyone should do that, but you would be shockingly surprised with how few people actually have this as part of their kind of their flows. Totally. And I think you talked to the real experts in the affiliate industry and the influence industry is like, that is really thoughtful, like gifting and reviews and, and conversations and relationships with those people whether they're the biggest influence in the world or maybe a micro influencer is really value, valuable and central to that, that strategy. So whether you put it in a bucket and call it affiliate or influencer strategy, what you just described is like just good business and intelligent and, and getting your product into the right hands of the right people at the right time. That's great. So we're going to do two things. We're going to go rapid fire now. So I'm really excited for this one. Where do you get your best ideas from? Oof. Walking, exercising, Peloton, berries, walking the dog. And then that, that unlocks like all the reading. I read probably more 
No, I think Warren Buffett is a hero to many. What is he like reading five hours of documents a day? I like to read a lot. Maybe that's good and bad. The culture code right now is one of my favorites. We have a reading list here at RBL that we publish internally. We should, we need to publish it externally. A lot of it's inspired by people we follow on Twitter, people we work with in groups like you. So it's. What, what did I send us the, uh, the RBL current reading list? Yeah. We take pride in our culture. And I think it, any organization that grows is, is got, it's not easy to cultivate it, maintain it, yeah. keep it going deal with the change that we all do in, in life and in business. And, and that's an important one for us. And it's, I think it's working right now, which is really cool. I'll, I'll share those. For sure. What keeps you going? Being a founder, CEO is challenging every day. I mm -hmm. talk to, I talk to them all day, every day. What keeps you going in lean times? How would you frame that for someone who's starting out? I think of people that came before me. We think about what my dad did to battle and, and fight, what my grandfather did to battle, to just persevere and work hard and, and not make excuses. And my dad would joke eight hours before lunch, eight hours after the work ethic was instilled early. And I think in, in modern days, you think about working more intelligently and I'm probably lazy by their standards. I think you look at other cultures and how hard the immigrant work ethic is to get into this great country and to be able to do what we are, are have and do what we're able to do is insane. So when we're getting kicked in the teeth and the market goes down 30% and we lose a big client, you might shed a tear on a day, but you have to uh, balance it. My goodness, how grateful are we? And that gratitude is really great. It's helped me a lot. I, it took me a while to I think cultivate appropriate level of gratitude. And I think that generates some levels of uh, sanity and happiness for people. And it helps me a lot. And I think thinking back to what your heroes and, and mentors would say to you, even though they're maybe not here, you, it pushes you. Yeah, you and I have spoken about this ad nauseum in terms of the immigrant mentality and, and how just fucking lucky we are to, to be here and have, have this access. We take it for granted. A lot of us take it for granted. So I'm going to do probably the most like lightweight pivot ever from that kind of beautiful answer that you gave. What is your least favorite or most hated D to C buzzword that you keep hearing and you hear it on, you see it on Twitter and people talk about it. And then you, now you're hearing, you know, prospects and clients asking, like, this is asinine. This is completely <laughs> fucking ass. That's a good one. I, I think that's just a Twitter post that you get a poll going and you see the top 10 list and see what comes back. I hate to say it, but part of me wants to say growth. It's like the love hate relationship. It's. It's got to be the most misunderstood term out there. More, more lighthearted. That's almost the conversation for another time and we can div dive into it. But oh, man, what is the most? I do think, I do think it's creative. The deep. <laughs> oh man. Just put me, throw me off the roof. Performance creative, man. I live that, that one cuts me deep. That hits different. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good that's one. I do think flash. growth and performance creative are really misunderstood. Performance creative web three. Oh God. I, I believe in web three, but it's not, uh, it's not, it's not ready for prime time. It's definitely not ready for prime time. It's. You should definitely do your land grabs and all of those things. Yeah. Everyone did 
and jumping and it was still 10, 15, 20 years before the West actually yeah. existed. So uh, 50 grand for an avatar, I'd say you might yeah. be a little. Yeah. yeah. I, I, maybe I, I'm missing it. Maybe I'm wrong. What skill has served you best in life? Oh, ooh. I think persistence comes to mind. It's come, it comes at a cost to some extent, I think, but I think more so it's a value. I think that come coming with that is similar thing is a desire to kind of continue to learn. And you touched on it when you're joking about the uh, buzzwords. If people are entrenched in their belief so much, there is a balance because I think you have to be seen as an, in, in today's stuff, you're, you got to be confident and you got to be seen as an expert and you got to do your homework and yada, yada, yada. But I, I don't know, maybe to a fall, I think being able to step back from yourself and really look at your entrenched belief and with those other two persistence and kind of the growth mindset learning, I think it's like having a level of objectivity and EQ to say, is this really making the most sense? Am I going down the right path? Not questioning your every move, but being able to have some level of objectivity around what you're pushing on and what your position is. And it helps you, I think, in seeing other per people's perspective, other people's view, letting the data be a guide and not having the highest person in the room dictate the decision, I think is a really valuable team and business approach that is uh, very valuable along with those others uh, of, of like pushing forward through, through uh, challenges. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Ooh. I go, man, that's the deep best piece of advice. These are good questions. My rapid fire is not rapid. I saw it for me, man. Long winded. Best piece of advice is, uh, it's all about your partner, man. You gotta pick the right one. You do that. If you don't do that, you're screwed. Lucky to have a great wife and uh partner in life. Cheat code. Everyone should, everyone should take it down. Right. Partner is the cheat code to life. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it is in business. It just, is in interpersonal. Find the right partners and it's going to be an amazing ride. Yeah. Yeah. It's some of these things sound obvious or overshared, but like you said on um, recently, it's like, there's a reason why they're, they're set in stone sometimes and talked about a lot. Yeah. Cliche is only a cliche because it's been said so many times that like people start to to lambast yeah. it. it. If you've become a cliche, you're doing something right. That is literally sending me up and it's, yeah, because you're relevant. So be happy. It's like the guys who do growth that like we're saying growth is over. Thank God, at least it's something and people are thinking about it. But we will do another one where we actually show what growth actually is. Cause yeah, uh, we, we need a refresher course. What do you, what would you tell someone who's listening and just starting out on their entrepreneurial journey or wanting to be an operator at a company that's going to be, is younger and doesn't know where to start? Because it's, I think having so much access and so many different opportunities is incredible, but it's almost that analysis paralysis. You go into the grocery store aisle and there's 77 cereals. What the hell am I supposed to eat? I just want to yeah. know is Cheerios and Frosted yeah. Flakes and some other healthy option. It's like, how would you frame that? For people. Oh man, there's so much advice. Uh, there was a recent comment I saw that I loved. It was like, action is better than mentorship or something along the lines of taking action, learning from that, using the real-time knowledge to improve yourself 
you make a mistake, it's more of a learning than a failure. Using, actually learning from that and actually importing that. Don't make that same mistake twice. I'm making mistakes as we speak. You know how it is. And you have to use those as powerful learnings. Feedback, another one, like it's a gift. It's a real gift. People give you candid, real talk feedback. Sometimes you have to take it with a grain of salt, but it's something that you can seek out to your benefit to improve yourself in this environment. Hoarding capital means smart about your bets is a big one. You're going to have to outsource and hire at some point, but I would say as best you can be smart about that. You, there's a lot dub, doubling down on really areas that you're really strong in and then getting it right, getting that feedback loop, that product market fit, that, um, that recurring engagement and retention that we always talk about in Reforge. It's, those are important things to know that you've got something and then you can start to place more bets, invest. We'll drill down into that. So that's a big one for me. If I have someone starting out, there's a lot, there's a lot there. And I, I think there's a level of persistence that it needs to happen in order to do something entrepreneurial. We've gone through many phases of it. Gosh, it's been an eight year run for us. Rome wasn't built in a day and don't expect to, you're going to have it dialed in after a few days or a few weeks or even a you know, year or so. It's, sometimes it takes longer. Some people take years to get there. Yeah, but I made sales in five hours. So what are you talking uh, about? I, I did build in a day. It was unprofitable, but it, yeah, if, there's... If, you're, if you're running into a, you know, barrier on getting your ROAS up, you need to call Chase. And go yeah, there. definitely don't. He's a, he's an abject ROAS failure. Yeah. Ty, this was incredible. I think people are lucky to get to listen and learn from your insight. How should they, if they want to get in contact with you, where should they hit you up? Yeah, appreciate it. I would say, uh. Email me at tieatroundbarlabs.com, my, my site, our company. It's a great way. Twitter is a, a fun way to engage. T. DeGrange on Twitter. If you guys want to learn anything, Ty is, Ty speaks truth to power and growth. Hit him up. He's got you. Love that. Thanks again. Thanks again, Ty. And appreciate you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ad Creative from Pencil. We hope you enjoyed our chat and learned a thing or two that can help you grow your business and think more creatively. If you have someone you think we should interview, hit me up on Twitter. Also, a small favor. If you could please share and review this, we want to make sure as many people see this podcast and are able to learn from our guests as possible. Until next time, add some creativity into your life. Thanks. Thanks.